All right, let's go right to the Word of God, First uh, Samuel chapter 9, and let's just open with prayer. Father, thank you this morning as we sang about your goodness. Father, your open arms, let our hearts believe that, let our hearts know that, that your arms are wide open to us, your heart is wide open to us. Lord, you have loved us with an everlasting love. And you loved us so much you gave us your son, Jesus. May our hearts be good ground this morning for your word, for the encouragement you have for us, for the challenge. We pray you build us up in our faith in this holy time in your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be reading portions from 1 Samuel chapter 9 as well as into 10. Um, Last week, Tim shared with us how time has gone by. Samuel is the judge of Israel. He's a prophet. He's a priest. He's a godly man. He's been a good leader, a great leader. But now we find he's getting older in chapter 8. He's getting older and his sons have grown and they are not good men. They are not good men. They are not godly men. And so Israel looks at that and it says, you know, before long, Samuel's going to be gone and we're going to be stuck with his sons. And we don't want that. So they approached Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want a king. Give us a king. And Samuel is upset, but he goes to God and God says, give them what they asked for. It's not you, Samuel, that they're rejecting. It's me. And the reason he says that is because Israel was a theocracy. It was God was the king of Israel. And so what they were asking for is we don't want God to be the king of Israel. We want a king like all the other nations. And so God says to Samuel, give it to them. In chapter 9, we are introduced to the man who will become the first king of Israel. So let's begin in verse 1. And we're going to read portions throughout this chapter. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Let's just stop right there. So Saul is the son of Kish, he's a Benjamite, and the writer makes, takes pains to tell us that this is an impressive man. This is an imposing man. He's more handsome than any man in Israel. He's taller than any other man in Israel. If you want a king, this is the guy that looks the part, Saul. Now we're going to find out later that he has some significant character flaws, but he starts out pretty good. And on this day, he's on a collision course with destiny. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the young men with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, passed through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. 
And they passed through the land of Shalom, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now, let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Jump with me down to verse 14. So they went up to the city. As they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Verse 15, now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. Jumping down to verse 27. As they were going down, this is Saul and his servant, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city and Samuel, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he is passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Lord, bless the reading of your word to our hearts. A number of years ago, about a decade ago, NBC News carried the story of a woman who went missing from an Icelandic bus tour. The bus had stopped in a volcanic area, a remote volcanic area, and um, at a designated time, they let everybody out so they could kind of visit and look around and all of that. Well, when the time came for boarding the bus, one woman didn't seem to return. And so the bus driver waited for an hour, hoping she would come, but she did not return. So finally, he called local rescue units to begin to search the area to find this woman. And the bus, the tourists on the bus even began to lend a hand in trying to find this lost, missing woman. Now, thankfully, this story has a happy, although somewhat bizarre, ending because it turns out when this woman got off the bus, she actually changed her clothes and freshened up a little bit and got back on the bus. And no one recognized her. And so she didn't even recognize herself in the description of the missing woman. So she's out there looking for herself along with everyone else. I bring that story up because Saul also goes on a search and rescue mission. He thinks it's to find his father's missing donkeys. But rather than finding his dad's donkeys, 
Saul, in a sense, finds himself. He finds God's destiny and purpose for his life. What started as an ordinary day turned into an ordained day, ordained by God to usher in the purposes of God for Saul's life and to usher Israel into the era of kings. Now, what I want to share this morning is we can't, most of us can't relate to every aspect of this story. First of all, most of us don't have donkeys, you know, so, and most of us will never be kings, but there is a way that we all relate to this story, and that is that God often uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary in our lives. Often we don't see it until we look back and then we see that that ordinary day was an ordained day by God to accomplish something great in our lives, to usher in a new day, to change the trajectory of our life in a way that affects us for the rest of our lives. So I've titled this message, At the Corner of Ordinary and Ordained. God's purposes in our lives often meet at that corner. At that corner between the ordinary and the ordained of God. Ordinary days, ordinary jobs, ordinary moments that are ordained by the sovereign hand of God to do something great. Kiss said to his son, those dumb donkeys are lost again. Go look for them. And so for Saul, this is maybe an annoying day, but it's an ordinary day. It's just a regular day. He's not excited about searching for these donkeys. It's probably not what he wanted to do. And he passes through city and town after town after town looking for these donkeys. There's one thing you can say about Saul. He may not have been excited about this job, but Saul was faithful. He was faithful to be doing what he was supposed to be doing. His father said, go look for those donkeys. He didn't go a mile away and then just sit back and fish and think, I'll just wait a few days and then go back and tell my dad I couldn't find him. He looked through this town. He went through the hills of Ephraim, it says, and then through the land of Shalishah. He went through Shalom. He went through Benjamin. He got to Zuf. He went through all these towns looking for the donkeys. For three days, he traveled faithfully looking for the donkeys his father had lost. Here's a lesson for us. Be faithful in the ordinary things. Be faithful in the ordinary things because you never know when God has ordained them for extraordinary purposes in our lives. Jesus tells us that. He says, be faithful in the little things. God will be able to entrust you with the bigger things. Sometimes bigger things... Big moments, big breakthroughs, big whatever it is, dreams, big uh, desires come through in big ways. Amen? I mean, we've all had those. But I think more often, big things come through little things that accumulate over time. Most of our lives are lived doing the ordinary. And if we do that faithfully, it has an accumulative effect 
on our lives and on the lives of the people around us. Recently, Ken posted an interview with Jordan Peterson. It was an excerpt. And the excerpt he posted, I thought was profound in regards to getting the little things in life right. And this is what he said. Your life isn't margaritas on the beach in Jamaica, right? That's true. He says that happens now and then. Those are exceptions. Your life is how your wife or your husband greets you at the door when you come home every day. Because that's like 10 minutes a day. Your life is how you treat each other over the breakfast table. Because that's an hour every single day. You get those mundane things right. Those things you do every day. You concentrate on them and you make them pristine. It's like you've got 80% of your life put together. These little things that are right in front of us, they're not little. That's the first thing. They are not little and they're hard to set right. And if you set them right, it has a rippling effect and fast too. Way faster than people think. I thought that was an outstanding quote. Because if we spend our whole lives waiting for that big thing to happen that's going to launch our life and launch God's will and launch God's plan and, and whatever it is that we desire, we're probably going to be waiting. Because what happens is if we start letting the little things, the little moments that don't seem that important, they're just donkeys. They're just donkeys. I'm made for bigger things than donkeys and searching for donkeys. But what happens is... We miss doing the small things that occur every day, that accumulate every day. We will miss those ordinary, ordained moments God has for us. Being faithful in the mundane task of searching for donkeys puts Saul in the right place at the right time. Now, he couldn't have known that. He didn't plan that. But God knew it. And God planned it. I just want to encourage you. you as you're faithful, God will get you to the right place at the right time. That's right. It's, not, it's not that you may not know it, but that's why it's so important to be faithful in the little things. Because you don't know when being faithful in the little thing puts you at the right place at the right time for God to do something you don't plan, but he does. A day that started out for Saul so ordinary became a day that was ordained to change the trajectory of his entire life as well as the trajectory of Israel. And God does that in our lives too. Sometimes we're, we're just at the right place at the right time and our lives are changed by a big trajectory. Sometimes it's like the day, if you're married, you met your spouse. You, you, you just met your spouse. Or the day you made that phone call, and maybe you were going to go out to California and ended up in Corning, New York, like one brother here, page one. And, you know, like that ordained connection that changes 
the direction of your life. Sometimes it's that big moment, the day you get a job offer, the day, whatever, that you realize you want what you want to do. Bang, I want to be this with the rest of my life. I want to do that. Whatever it is, sometimes it happens in big moments. I've had that happen. I've had big moments happen. But it's even those usually happen on a day that looks ordinary when you start out. That you, you're just being faithful to do what God's called you to do, and bang, something big happens. I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared this story. Forgive me if I've already shared this story, but the only reason I am a pastor today is because I went to an all-you-can-eat fish fry. <laughs> now, that might need a little more context. <laughs> One day, living on Long Island, Janice and I were attending a church called Lamb's Chapel. I was helping out where I could. And uh, one day, the pastor of the church, John Steigerwald, asked me if I'd give him a hand dropping off some furniture to a single mom. So we loaded up the truck, and we drove it to their, her house in Riverhead, and we unloaded that furniture and set it all up and everything. And afterwards, John said, you want to go to eat lunch? Now, on Long Island, there are some awesome fresh fish markets. I mean, you walk in and over here are crabs and clams and all kinds of great fish and whatever. And it's all fresh and on ice and everything. And it was caught like 10 minutes ago, right outside. And then another part of this place was a restaurant where you could get, and this particular day had an all you can eat fish fry. So we sit down and here's what's on my mind. I'm going to eat as much as I can. I'm going to eat as much as I, I'm going to put this place out of business. That's what's on my mind. We sit down, we order. Before the meal gets there, John says to me, Alan, it's big, Alan. It's big. I'm like, what's big, John? He says, I feel like God's called me to plant a church in Georgia. But I'll only do it if you will become the pastor of Lamb's Chapel. Now, I had no desire to be a pastor. I felt no call to be a pastor. And this church at this time was struggling. They had been through a, such a hard time. So if you think I jumped up in joy, you're wrong. I was unsettled. I was disturbed. I was bothered. It ruined my appetite. <laughs> John ruined my all-you-can-eat fish fry lunch. And uh, the story goes on. I went home. I told Janice. She felt the same way. I went to John the next day with a list of reasons why he should not leave. He should stay as pastor, and I should not become the pastor. And John, to his credit, he said, Alan, these are good reasons. But will you do this with me? Will you fast and pray? And so we did. And after three days, the Lord dropped it in my heart. I remember walking with Janice one day and saying, maybe this is what God has prepared me for. It's not what I was planning. And as soon as I opened my heart up to it, the desire, the vision, and the, the, the sense of call hit me. Fish fry. Who knew? Who knew? Now, that was a major trajectory change in my life. And you might have stories like that. 
And maybe, I mean, it's fun sometimes to look back and see if I hadn't gone here this day or I hadn't done that or if I had moved to California instead of Corning. How, what would be different? I, there's moments like that where my kids wouldn't exist if I hadn't, you know, looked right or done this. Or, I mean, these are massive trajectory changes. You have those stories too. But I think more often than that, the trajectory of our lives are changed by little moments and small adjustments over a period of time than it is those big moments. And so as much as possible, we want to be faithful because as is the case with Saul, faithful puts us in the right place at the right time. You know, even being off a little bit over a long period of time can change our direction and our destination by a whole lot. Now, I want you to think about this. Let's say you want to go somewhere. You, you point to a destination. You want to get there. And let's say you are off by one degree. We used to sail. We had a compass and had degrees. You're off by one degree. Now, here's the thing. After one foot, you take one step in that direction. You know, you're off by 0.2 inches. That's it. That's not a big deal, is it? You can get there from that. But let's say you're aiming for the sun. And you're off by one degree. By the time you get there, you will miss the sun by 1.6 million miles. One degree over a period of time, a long period of time, can make a big difference. Now listen, having said that, I know that can stir possible fear. In, you, know, you mean if I just get one thing slightly wrong? So that's not the point of this. Thankfully, God is sovereign. And he's able to take, because I know I've made, I, I constantly am more than one degree off. Amen? And you are too. Sin has put our compass all berserk. So the point of this isn't to be afraid. Boy, if I take one step wrong, it's all, no, God is sovereign over our lives. He's got our lives in his hands. He's able to take even our mistakes, even when we're off by many degrees, and he's able to take us where we're meant to go. But what it underlines for us the importance of being faithful in the little things. It puts you in the right place at the right time. Because I do believe, and I'm not going to get too far, because it's a big theological, but I do believe we can miss things that God has for us by being unfaithful. We can miss, I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus, that's what the scriptures say about the Pharisees. They missed the purpose of God for their lives. You know, so if, if somebody is doing this sin and that sin and the next thing and they end up in a horrible place for the rest of their lives, and that's, that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's best for them. So we want to be faithful to God in the little things. That's the first lesson I get from Saul's life. The second lesson <clears throat> is this. The best way, stay with me now, the best way to find ourselves is to lose ourselves in the will of God day to day. The best way to find ourselves is to lose ourselves in God's will in the day to day. This poor woman in Iceland was searching for herself and she didn't know it. She didn't recognize herself in the description of herself. Saul could say the same thing. Saul 
after searching for days, it still, it's still like boggles my mind that they would go to a prophet to ask where the donkeys are, you know? That's like calling the Pope to ask if he knows where your car keys are. I mean, it's like, it seems a little bit overkill, but that's what he does. So he thinks maybe Samuel's going to reveal to him where these donkeys are. And at one point, Samuel says, tell your servant to go on. I need to talk to you alone. Saul thinks, okay, now I'm finally going to hear where these dumb donkeys are. Samuel pulls Saul aside and he says, God has chosen you to save Israel. He has chosen you to be the king of Israel and save them from Philistines' oppression because God has heard their cry. And Saul, we're going to find, is unsettled. He's confused. He does not recognize himself in Samuel's description of him. Whatever expectation Saul had for his life, he wasn't expecting that. He was not expecting that. He never expected to be chosen by God. He never expected to be king. He never expected to lead his people to victory against the Philistines. If someone had described God's plan for Saul, he would not have recognized himself. Now, I don't mean to get philosophical, but uh, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? What is the meaning of your life? Why are you here? Do you ever hear someone say, I just need to find myself? I need to find myself? I think a lot, because I feel kind of like lost. I don't know who I am. I feel lost. Ironically, the best way to find ourselves is to lose ourselves in God's will. Jesus said those that seek to save their lives, that is to find themselves, find their, their self, will lose it. Those who try to hold on to their life and live it the way they want to live it and do what they want to do will lose their life. Those who grip their lives tightly will lose their lives. But Jesus said, those who lose their lives for my sake, those who give up that grip, who don't try to make life all about me and what I want, but lose it. For the sake of Jesus and his will, we'll find it. You go and looking for a donkey and you find the Lord. You, you think you're losing your life, you find your life in Jesus. Because Jesus has a better plan for your life and mine than we have for ourselves. Amen? His plan for you, whatever it is, is better. And whatever Jesus means, whatever, what the Lord means in that is, if we try to find ourselves apart from God, the more we make our lives about ourselves, the more lost we become. The more we lose ourselves in something bigger than ourselves, which is God and his purposes, the more we discover our identity, even when we're not looking for it. 
Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that was us. We got off the bus. We got off the bus of God's plan because of sin. We were lost in the fullest sense. We were lost not just externally but internally. Who we were created to be was so marred by sin. Not surface but deep within like a cancer. I think of an illustration that Dale and Faith shared yesterday that so often when abuse happens particularly to a child it's like a bullet wound it goes in it doesn't leave a very large entrance wound but then so many bullets are then designed to break apart and scatter and destroy these organs and those organs and that's what happens with that sin it enters it looks small like hey what's the big deal you should just move on but it it destroys organs and so much and it's lifelong the damage sin has done that to all of us it has gone in and it might be like hey what's a big deal it has destroyed our thinking our compass of what's right and what's wrong what's good and what's evil what's what's wise and what's foolish our compasses are going like this and we don't, it's, I think north is that way. I think good is that way. I think right is that way. I think foolishness is that way. And sin has done this to our compass. Sin has destroyed our heart so that there is, there is, there is everything like a cancer. Is, it's still, there's the image of God in us, but everything's distorted. Everything's off kilter. Everything is lost. We got off the bus with sin. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus came to get us back on the bus. Amen? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came. He knew who we are. He brought us back to the bus. He gave his life in order to bring us back to relationship with God, reconnect us with God, and reestablish who God has created us to be. And our new identity in Christ is not built on, I love myself. And it's not built on, people love me. Now don't get me wrong, it's good to love ourselves. And it's good to want people to love us. But that is not what our identity is built on. See, if you build your identity on, I love myself, or you build your identity on people love me, you are building your identity on shifting sand. It will, it will not hold the foundation. Storms will come and it will knock your identity right down. Because our identity is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's built on the love of God for us. That God loves us. He values us. Jesus loves us. Who am I? Who are you? We are beloved children of God. And that's enough. That's enough. I, I, I hope this sets you free because we sometimes think if I don't do this and 
move mountains there and shake the earth and change. I'm a, if I'm not a world changer, my life isn't. No. How much time did the thief on the cross have to change his world? But his world was changed. When Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Who are we? We are beloved children of God through faith in Christ. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still lost, while we were still off the bus, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 8 says, If he who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give, graciously give us all things? Everything in life, God wants to pour it out upon us. Everything we need. Everything that is meant to make our life full and purposeful and meaningful. And when we come to that last breath, we can say, Thank you, Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to be with you. And I thank you for my life. It's all given to us through Christ. Saul had a plan. Ordinary day. Find some donkeys. God's plan was to ordain Saul as king so he could save Israel from the Philistines. God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. If you are this morning struggling with a sense of the meaning of life, struggling with the sense of your sense of identity, struggling with your sense of security, I want you to find it in Christ this morning. That's where God says, anchor it in Christ. Anchor it in Christ. The more we lose ourselves in the infinite love of God that is in Christ Jesus, the more we find life. Jesus said this way, as we seek the kingdom of God, everything else we need will be added to us. Let's pray together. Father, we sang before the open arms of our Father. Your arms are open wide. We thank you for the truth we see in your word that as lost as we were, you were not content to let us stay lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. And we thank you with all of our hearts that he did because we were all lost. But now we're found because of Christ. We thank you, Lord. Whatever we thought life was, you have rerouted that and redefined it. Whatever we thought was real, you have become our realest real, our greatest reality. Lord, I, I pray that you help us to live with our hearts and lives founded on that great truth. We are beloved of Christ. We are beloved of God. That all our sin has been cleansed. 
and we have been made righteous. And Lord, you have a plan for our life and we may not see it. And we may not see it when we come to the end of our lives. We may be like, I don't know what that plan was. It's okay. It's okay. Because the big plan for us is that we are your children, your sons and your daughters. And we are beloved by you. And we are worth and valuable to you. And you've shown us that through Christ. Father, help us to be faithful to be where we're meant to be when we're meant to be there. Help us to be faithful in the little things. Lord, convict us when we're not and get us back on that we might serve you faithfully. Because that's in the end, Lord, we're not looking for the world to applaud us. We're not looking even for our own hearts to say, boy, we were great. We want to hear this from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what life is. That will be all the joy. That will explode in joy in our lives. Lord, that's what we want. Help us to walk in such a way that we're faithful. And when we get off the bus and sin, help us to come right back to Jesus, confess our sin, confess it honestly, and receive the forgiveness and cleansing you give us so freely, Lord. Holy Spirit, empower us as we leave here. There might be areas that people are walking in right now where they're convicted of, Lord, of maybe being unfaithful, maybe missing uh, the bus, maybe doing what they know they shouldn't be doing. Bring conviction to their heart and bring the power to change, we ask. And we give you the glory and praise. We give Jesus all the praise this morning. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a great and blessed week.